The whole nature of God is restoration. He fixes what we've done wrong. No other religion in the world does that. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through his series called Close Encounters with Jesus. So, get ready to follow along in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. God's told you and me to preach the gospel. How they react to the gospel is their decision. And I think that's really important. See, I can't make anybody be anything. But I can tell people the truth. I can tell people my testimony. And again, we all have one. People a lot of times say, well, I'd, I'd share my faith with you know the guy at work, but I don't know the Bible that well. Well, share what you know then. What has God done for you? You know, nobody can argue with your testimony. You know what you were. You know when you came to Christ. And you know what you are. Nobody can fight that. Uh, Well, you know, I was a bum. I was a drunk. I was this. I was that. I met Christ. And I still at times am a bum and a drunk. But God's changing me. Oh, no, that's not true. No, they can't argue with you. You see, the point is is that Jesus is saying we need to focus and not just be centralistic on on our friends, but we want to say, okay, God, I want to see what you're going to do. Jesus said, be good to those who can't be good back to you. Why is that? Because that's what the heathen do. I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. Jesus said, go scratch somebody's back that can't scratch your back. Why is that? Because God says, I'll be the one that will repay you on the resurrection day. Now, one of those that was at the table heard him say these things. And he said, blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know why this guy said this. But you'll always find somebody that will say something a little awkward. Friends, there's a lot of really awkward things in the Bible. Jesus is teaching along. I don't even know if I should share this. It's in the Bible, though, so I guess I can share it. I don't know if you've ever been where you're around and somebody says something really doesn't fit at all. Jesus, I, I don't know if I should share, I'll share it, but it's, it's like this. It's like this. Well, blessed is those that eat at the, the table in heaven. Yep, okay, that's great. Jesus is teaching along, and a woman yells out of the crowd, blessed are the breasts that you nursed on. 
Huh? Yeah, Jesus is giving a sermon and somebody, a lady in the crowd, says that. And I can just see Jesus go, oh. And he just kept on teaching. Again, we don't change what our message is based upon what others say. And I think that's so important. Again, they watched him closely. Jesus didn't change. He didn't bend with the crowd to fit them. He simply continued doing what he was doing. Well, since you brought that up, I can just see Jesus saying, he said to him, notice he didn't say to all of them, he was just at the table. He said to him, the one that said this concerning this great marriage supper that's really all the way through the Bible, he he says to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And he sent his servants at supper time, saying to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. Now, these are really amazing excuses. Somebody said one time, a person who is good at excuses is not good for anything else. Well, these are some of the lamest excuses that you can hear. Now, I'll tell you something. If you've got kids, I know you've heard a lot of really good excuses. You know, I can't clean my room. Why can't you clean? Because my TV program is on. Not a good excuse. And you'll always find that there'll be an excuse for what we don't want to do. Well, look at some of these excuses. This great meal, this, this uh, man gave a great supper, invited those that were his guests, but they all began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. Oh, really? Do you always buy land that you don't look at? You see, this is kind of a weird thing here. You usually, when you're going to buy some land, you want to know the history of it. You want to know if there's any back taxes that are owed on it. You want to know who your neighbors are. Is there power to it? Is there any improvements to the land whatsoever? This guy says, I bought some land. I got to go see it. Pretty lame. The second one. I ask you to have me excused. The second said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. I just bought a new Corvette. I got to go try it out. No, you, you see, usually you check these things out before you buy something. So really, you're finding something here uniquely parallel in these first two excuses, these people were fools. They buy things they've never seen. They buy animals or tractors they've never started up. What's wrong with this picture? You see, when an excuse is an excuse, any excuse will do. Now, let's flip the coin on the other side, which I haven't read in any commentary. Let's just say that they got their information from others. Oh, he had a friend that checked out the land. Let's say that the other one, um, oh yeah, these are good oxen. I've tried them out. They're great. They're good. You can just say, even if the excuses were legitimate, they're still 
an excuse. Now, remember this. God has prepared for all of us a great supper in heaven called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. And when you go out and you hand out invitations, and by the way, friends, the only ones that are going to be in heaven are the ones that the Christians invite. That's why it's so important to preach the gospel. Be instant in season and out of season. We're God's ambassadors in a world that doesn't know him. So therefore, we're the ones that are inviting people into the kingdom of heaven. That's who you are. By the way, the devil will do everything he can do to make you think of something else. He'll try to substitute that great calling of God for something as silly as I bought a piece of land and I got to go look at it. We get to the third guy. Verse 20. Still another said, and I like this one, I have married a wife, therefore I cannot come. (laughs) I got married, my life has ended. One by one, they made their excuses. Some think this one here with, I've married a wife and I cannot come. Simply, his whole world changed, may have. But nevertheless, the Bible tells us nothing can be more important than the invite from God. Who would turn down such a wonderful offer that God makes us to come be part of his eternal party? I remember Charles McFeeters, a guy that was a great street evangelist in Southern California. And he would do some radical things to share the gospel. He would go down in North Hollywood, down on, on, uh, to a place called Whiskey A Go-Go, if you've ever heard of it. And he would go there, and, and uh, there would be a band up playing. And they would be doing it, and the band would sit down to take a break. Well, Charles would get up on the, the stage He'd grab the microphone. Is everybody having a good time here tonight? Yeah, well, the management thought he was part of the band. The band thought he was part of the management, and they just let him roll. Everybody having a good time here tonight? Yeah, I can hear you. And he'd be playing with the crowd like that. Hey, I want to tell everybody about a party that's getting ready to start. Uh, how many people here like parties? Party, party, party. Oh, I can't hear you. Yeah, you know, he just play the crowd. And he would do this back and forth with them. And he said, now how many people know that there can be somebody that will go to a party and totally ruin it? Party poopers. How many people know about that? Yeah, I can't hear you. Yeah, you know what I'm there to do it. He goes, now, I know how to get into this party. And you know, you guys all look like a good group of people. Are you a good group of people? Yeah, I can't hear you. And he would just keep doing it. I want to invite all of you to this party that's getting ready to start. Now, you got to know the right people to get in. Otherwise, you'll have somebody that will ruin the party. All right? Yeah, okay. And then he would say, the person you need to know to get in makes it all possible. Now, the good news about this party is it's never going to end. It's one of those perma parties. You like that idea? Yeah. Hey, okay, are you guys partying? Yeah. You know, he played. And then he'd go, 
The person you need to know to get into the party is Jesus Christ. The party is in heaven. It's getting ready to start. And if any of you'd like to ask me more questions about this, I'll be outside on the sidewalk. And we're going to have the band come back up and play. And he popped the mic in and out the door he went. And he said, people got saved. People heard that. They related to the story. They were able to connect what he was saying to them. And when we begin to explain to them and not offer an excuse why I can't go to Jesus' party, they pass from death unto life. Jesus goes on and says this. He said, I've got married and I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. And then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, by the way, the master is angry. The one that's made this really great dinner, everything's ready to go. Okay, go send out everybody, you know, do the, uh, do the uh, Twitter, you know, everybody's ready to come. Didn't come. He was angry. Said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes, the highways and byways of the city, and bring them here, the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. Here we find them mentioned again. We just mentioned them a few verses back. And who are they? Again, the people of the world who don't know Christ. You're God's servant. This is not talking necessarily about you. Maybe at one time it was us. But now we're God's servant and also equipped with the Holy Spirit. You know, I was thinking about this. Some of you have those cars that you push the button and they lock the car. You know, as long as you got your key fob in your pocket, push the button, click, everything locks. That's pretty cool. You know, I used to remember fumbling for my keys and all that kind of stuff. Then I just pop, and it I like that. That's good. That's fast. That's good. And I've, I don't know how many of you have ever left your keys on the table and you go out and you just decide, I'm going to lock the car and you push the button, nothing happens. And you go, and you realize you don't have the, the little fob that makes it all work. Getting out of the car the other day, my little daughter as we're walking away, she's, Daddy, Daddy. And she goes back and she's pointing at the button. And I said, well, push it. And she pushed it and nothing happened. And I reached my hand over and I touched her shoulder and I said, now push it. And when I did that, she pushed it. Everything locked. And it was like the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, that's the way it is in the Great Commission. If we're going around pushing buttons without the anointing of God on our life, there is no power. But when we're doing what our Father says to do, and His hand rests upon us, because Daddy's got the fob, things happen. You see, going out into the highways and byways is the Great Commission. Jesus said, go preach the gospel to every creature. That's what we do. And who do we preach the gospel to? To those who can't help themselves. Notice the couple of things here. He said, to the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. That describes the world. 
You want to know why the world acts the way it does? <laughs> Here you go. They're blind. They're, they're, they're foolish. You, you, you can walk up to an to a alcoholic and say, do you know your drinking is killing you? And they'll go, uh-huh. Do you want to stop? Uh-huh. Will you stop? Uh-uh. Why? There's a disconnect. There's something not hooked up. Jesus said to Nicodemus, John chapter 3, you must be born again. It's not an option like, you know, do you want to, you know, do you want a, a wide racing wheels on your new car? No, it's requirement. Do you want wheels at all on your car? So he says, those that are blind, those that are lame. And if we can see the world that way, it'll help us from getting frustrated with them. Jesus, seeing the multitudes, had compassion on them. Why is that? Because the key ingredient in compassion is love. And if I can't have that heart for the lost, and I believe this is one of the wonderful things the Holy Spirit does, is not only give us boldness, but gives us love for the lost that will go out and reach them where they're at Well, if they want to know about God, they'll just show up in church. Well, I wish it worked that way, but it don't. I got to go to them. Why don't they come to me? Because they're blind, that's why. If they could see, they wouldn't know where to go. But we have to go to them. Now, how do we go to them? God says, that's where I come in. I'll deliver them to your door. What do you mean? I'll deliver them to you. Yes, sometimes God does. Sometimes God delivers them at our places of work. Sometimes God delivers them to sometimes waiting in line at the supermarket. Sometimes God will. But there's always a place where God will deliver a blind person to you to reach out to them. I really believe that. Don't want to miss those opportunities. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded. And there's still more room. Oh, this is one of the great things I love about God. Whosoever will may come. All you labor and heavy laden, come and I'll give you rest. Well, no, only God's appointed a certain amount of people to go to heaven and you can't go unless he's called you. Well, that's not the Bible I read. For God so loved the world that whosoever, both the world and whosoever, pretty much would entail everyone, okay? So God reaches out through us, Holy Spirit, empowered God's hand rests upon us as his servants, that invisible Holy Spirit, to invite people into his kingdom. The master then said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house might be full and compel them to come in. How do we compel people? You compel them. How do you compel them? Any way you can. And never lose the innocency of the gospel. And that doesn't mean to become a drug dealer, to minister to drug dealers. It means I may need to go where they are. I may need to be, I might have to associate with people sometimes. Well, as we read earlier, don't just invite those who are good back to you. Invite those that can't be good back to you. You see, that's how evangelism works, friends. Think about it, how somebody got to you to hear the gospel. You see, God uses unconventional means to reach people. 
And that's where the power of the Holy Spirit is. That's where the anointing of God's at. And people say, well, why doesn't God do miracles today like he did in the Bible time? He still does. But you got to be on the front edge to see it, to need it. And he will. He said, go so my house might be full. You see, Jesus came to the Jewish nation. The ones that were invited. But they were too busy in their own things and their religion and all their mechanics of everything. They didn't want Jesus. So the Bible says that God then took and turned to another nation, the, Jew, the, the Gentile nation, to reach out to them. God's not done with the Jewish nation yet. He's going to reach out to them again. That's what the whole tribulation period's about. But right now, it's whosoever will may come. First of all, for you, if you're not a Christian, you need to come to Christ. Why is that? You're in darkness. You're in blindness. You're going to keep making mistakes. You're going to have another 10 years like you just had. Can you live that long to afford that? If you can't, come to Jesus today. The second thing is, for us that are Christians, don't forget while we're still here. Like I shared a week ago, that thing on Star Trek where, you know, we just vanished. Wouldn't that be great? Come forward this morning, receive Jesus. We had these little pageants, and you just appear in heaven. That'd be cool. But God has left us here for a reason, to be salt and light. That's why we're here. And then he says, verse 24, concerning the nation of Israel, and those that were gathered to see if Jesus would heal on the Sabbath, setting a guy up with dropsy to see what he would do, he says, For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste of my supper. You see, Jesus, in his love, reached out to them, but they would rather hold on to a religion than a relationship with God. So many people do that today. And that's really essentially, friends, what religion is. Religion globally is that I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to uh, give all my money. I'm going to go door to door. I'm gonna, and, and that somehow impresses God. Jesus is the one who fulfilled all those requirements and now we just cry, Abba, Father. We cry, Daddy. I have a Daddy in heaven. Now, if you didn't have a good Daddy here on this earth, I want you to know you got a great one in heaven that loves you. That's what's good. And if you're a dad today and you don't know how to be a good dad, because maybe you didn't have a good dad, look at your Father in heaven, pattern your life after his. He's going to tell you what you need to do. Letting God bless you. Put yourself in the place where he will bless you. Because he will. He wants to bless you. The whole nature of God is restoration. He fixes what we've done wrong. No other religion in the world does that. Only a dad that loves you does that. This morning, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, we're going to pray right now. And you can ask God to forgive you of living in rebellion, living opposed to his best for your life. And saying, okay, God, from this day forward, I want to live for you. I don't want my life to ever be the way that it was, but after coming to you, you're going to change me. And he does. That's just the way God is. And so this morning, if you need to pray, and you need to get right with God, let's pray. And let's see what God will do in your life. Let's pray together. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, and I invite you into my life today. 
I'm sorry for the way that I have lived my life. And I ask you to forgive me. And so from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. And I ask you to make me the best I can be for you. And I'll be about your business. So write my name in your book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me and give me love, God, that I need to live each day. And from this day forward, I put my life into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.